Well, good morning, church. You guys doing all right? Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, just absolutely love uh, gathering up here as we have the opportunity to do each week so that we can come together and we can be stirred up and spurred on toward love and good deeds, that we can be reminded through one another and through the engagement we have together in God's word of his great faithfulness and his goodness to us so that we can walk out of here and participate with him as he redeems the story of the human race in this planet. That's a pretty awesome deal, isn't it? I mean, it's no small thing what we get to do here. It's not like we just show up because church is a fun thing to come do. We are involved together in this gathering in a supernatural event. And God is at work, and that's a big deal. And we get to do that uh, as we travel through his word and explore the things that he has revealed to generations through the story that he actually affected through the people in scripture and through the writings that were written down as the spirit of God came and inspired them so that we would have the clarities we have. I mean, I just, I don't know how you cannot be excited about rolling into something like that. So I'm pretty excited pretty much every week. And here we are again. Now, as we often do here, and our standard habit is, we travel through the beauty of God's unfolding story through his words. So we've been doing that for a long time now, starting in Genesis and moving our way through uh, chronologically and quietly over well over a decade now. And we're in the book of Philippians right now. And so we typically, if you know this place, come together and each week we explore the next portion of an extraordinary part of God's word. But on occasion, we take pause and we stop and we take a week and we step out of that to come and either fix and focus our hearts on a particular calling we have like we did last week or to take a look back and to establish a moment of remembrance that we can hold on to so that we know and remember God's faithfulness to us and God's faithfulness through us. And today is one of those weeks. It is in the Old Testament, like us building a little altar right here. The altars were built in the Old Testament because they would be going along and God would do something extraordinarily faithful and they would build a little altar of remembrance so that every time a generation would walk by there and some kid would say, what happened here? They could go, here is what God did here. And we remember his faithfulness. So today... We get to do that. We get to take a look back uh, over the last two years and a story that God was unfolding here that I think in some ways felt like it got lost a bit in the midst of a giant storm, right? 2020, 2021, I mean, everything got lost. We practically got lost, right? And so it's helpful, isn't it, that we pause here in 2022, early part, and look back over two years and say, what else was God up to that maybe we missed in the midst of the crazy heavy in which we lived? And when we typically do that, I think what we often find is we get a glimpse into the deeper, more beautiful, invisible workings of God that we don't really get to see until we have hindsight. And what we often see when we do that is that God was up to something that we thought we got figured out, and then he does something extraordinarily more than we could have asked for or imagined. Have you ever been part of stories like that? 
where God's up to something and you, you got it figured out. Oh, this is what God's doing. And then that doesn't work out. And at first you're like, what on earth? And then something even better happens. And you're like, oh, you knew more than I knew. You saw more than I saw. You were up to more than I imagined. I've got a number of stories like that. One in particular that I love holding on to every now and then when God is up to something in my immediate presence and I'm not quite sure what he's doing. And I'm like, what are you up to? This doesn't seem like a good idea. And then God goes, quiet child. Do you remember the last time you said this to me? And how did that go, right? Uh, I remember... A number of years ago, we were a little church. Uh, we had just a few little resources uh, and God opened an opportunity for a home that we could call our own, a permanent home. Not this building, but a building actually in Oakland that came available. And that building, uh, when we had the opportunity to look into it, the people selling the building, they were selling it for $1.9 million dollars. And we had $30,000 in the bank and we were a little church. And uh, they said, if you just give us a million dollars cash, then we will sell you the building for 1.9 million and we can fund the rest of it. And so we just needed a million dollars cash. And there was a um, piece of land in Claremont that someone had gifted to us a couple of years earlier that we hadn't done anything with. And so I thought maybe if we could sell that land, it was probably worth like a half a million at the time. Um, maybe if we could sell that land, then we could use some of that toward it. But it wasn't a really good time to sell stuff back then because it wasn't moving fast, right? So I go to the land one day and there was a little piece of, a little house on the land. And no kidding, this is not a joke. On the front door of the house was a note from some random person. And the note said, if ever you are interested in selling this land, please call me. I would be interested in buying it. Pretty awesome, right? And you're like, so just like me, you've all figured out what God was up to. I mean, how cool is that? That he would bring a perfect stranger to the house, have them reach out, put their phone number on there, and we would then sell the land to them for a half a million dollars, hopefully. And then we would have some money to offer for the other building. So what do you think I did with the phone number on the door? I did call it. That's right. It's not a trick question. Nobody would be crazy enough not to call that number. So I called that number because I'm like, God's just sold the building for us on this land. And you know what? The person never answered for the hundred times I called. I still have no idea who that person was. They never returned my calls. I left my email, my phone numbers. We're selling. We're interested. I don't think it was a real human. I think God sent an angel down and said, put a note in the door. Don't worry, the note's not about selling the land. I just need to remind Renault that if I want to do something, I can. See, it turns out that note wasn't about God's plan to sell the land. That note was about God's way of saying to me, if you don't think I can do whatever I want whenever I need to, you don't know me very well. So you go ahead and trust me and pursue this building. And when the resources are needed, I'll have them if I so desire, Right? And so we did. We never sold the land. We went ahead and talked to the people. And actually, it turned out somebody gifted us a million dollars to get that land, which was better than selling the other land, right? And then that other land, we exchanged with the people that sold us the building for more than we would have ever gotten if we sold it. And we got most of the rest of our mortgage taken care of. God was up to something bigger than we thought. And a note that seemed to say, here's the plan 
plan was actually just God going, I know things you don't, trust me. And I hold on to those moments in life because then I get to kind of look in the immediate presence and go, I can trust God right now because I have remembered so many times when I didn't think I could trust him back then, but it turned out I could. In 2019, a story like that began to unfold here. One that we would think was one thing, but would turn out to be something utterly different. And now in hindsight, we get to sit here today and go, oh, it's better than anything we could have asked for or imagined. In 2019 things were going gangbusters, right? I mean, it was awesome, right? Everything seemed to be growing all around the planet. Everything was moving fast. This church was growing and people were coming and our children's ministry was running out of room and we were running out of room and there were more humans than we knew what to do with. And we stuffed every chair into every corner and we had gatherings going up the wazoo. And so we realized, man, there's a lot going on and there's a lot in the world that needs redeeming and we can be a part of that. So we sensed God in 2019 inviting us as a church to gather up and to engage together in what we called a generosity initiative. Uh, in our space here, when we've done generosity initiatives, a time where we gather up and we ask God what of our resources he wants us to give to his great vision and work, we typically don't do it this way, where you are giving and tithing and then we say to you, we have this project we want to do, this building we want to build, this thing we want to go do, please give over and above what you already give. We don't do that because we really want to simply invite ourselves together into an intentional stewardship of the resources God has given us. So we say, what we want you to do, folks, me and you guys, is we want to pray together. Instead of just saying, God, over the next two years, whatever you want me to give, I'll give. We want to pray ahead of time and say, God, what would you like me to prayerfully by faith commit to giving over the next two years in total, not over and above, just my giving. And then we collect all of that together because it's a very intentional time. We don't do this all the time. We don't do it every two years. We do it in unique seasons where it seems God is stirring a vision that we want to be a little more intentional about together in getting behind. And so 2019 was one of those unique seasons in Mosaic story. So we did that. And many of you that were here then, we prayed together. My wife and I prayed, you guys prayed, and each of us were led by God to say, God, over the next two years, here's what I'm committing to. And in December of 2019, we had our first giving month of that two-year run, which basically ended December of 2021, a month ago, right? That was our two-year time span in this unique stewardship of our resources. And we all rolled into January thinking, oh, we got a plan. We're going to build a building bigger than we have now because we got to fit all these crazy humans. And then we are going to engage with our partners and increase some partnerships and do some stuff around the world. And we're going to hire up some people and staff so that we can equip the saints, you all and me, to do the work of the ministry. And we had a vision to do all of that. 
And then we crawled into February of 2020, all still having dreams we were dreaming, right? Remember back when you could dream dreams? <laughs> uh, back in 2019, you're like, oh, we're covered in. And then uh, February, we heard a whisper of some stuff going on on the other side of the planet. And then quickly it flew with airplanes over to our side of the planet. And by mid-March, we were like, should we stay home? And then we were like, we got an Easter service coming and then we don't have an Easter service coming. And do you remember then we said things like, it'll be three or four weeks, we'll be rolling back in. And then two years later, you're still nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like then we went the whole summer and nobody showed up in the big building. And we're like, we don't even need a building. And will anyone ever come back? and all the people that were coming in droves are not coming anymore and they're apparently out there on the other side of a video screen. And so we're like, man, everything that we sort of said, this seems to be what God is up to and he's, he's calling us to bring our resources to the table so that we can do these things. He put a note on the door so that he will sell the land. It turns out he wasn't up to that at all. What he knew was that we were going to walk into one of the grandest storms in our lifetime on a global scale that would include a political upheaval, a pandemic, and the insanity of all the realities that we had to face and wrestle with together. And it was insane, was it not? And in a time like that, two things typically happen the opportunities to engage in redemptive ministry increase, right? Because everybody starts falling apart. But the resources required to engage in those opportunities decrease. So you have less resources, but more opportunities. And so as much as you want to realize the opportunities that you can, you don't have the resources to do it. So to survive a storm like that, you get in your little sailboat. We're all us churches sailboats on the grand ocean of redemption, right? And this giant storm comes. And what do you do when a giant storm comes and you're in a sailboat? You pull the sails down, you get inside the little sailboat, you button up the hatches and you lay tightly around and wait for the rolling to stop. And then when you sense a little bit of the pitter-patter rain stopping, you crawl out of the boat and you look across and you say, you all survive. And they go, how about you? And your, your, your mast is crumbled and your sails are tattered and you're exhausted, but you survived. That's what many had to do because the only resources we had was to crawl into the little boat and and hold fast until the storm was over while the opportunity for redemptive work was massive. But God had a different story for us here at Mosaic, a story that was insane that we did not deserve, that we should not have had. And I have no idea why God decided that that would be our story because we did nothing to deserve this story more than anybody else did. He simply was faithful in a unique way to us because he called us as a church to make a tangible stewardship commitment for a two-year period that we had no idea would turn out to be extraordinarily necessary to engage in the opportunities before us. And because we did that and because it was so intentional and because we committed together, it turns out over the last two years, we collectively remained quite faithful to that. 
It was quite extraordinary to watch. And so because we did, we were in the unique position as a collective, as a church, to have resources we shouldn't have had available to be able to engage in the opportunities to be incredibly redemptive. So we got to do some things. First of all, during a time where in any other scenario, and truthfully the scenario of many other churches and nonprofits whose donors had to stop giving or, or, or back up on their giving because the unpredictability of everything and the lack of intentional commitment to God had happened, they wanted to do some things to continue to create internal health, but they just couldn't. We, on the other hand, found ourselves in a position where we could. So here in the building, as we all entered back into the building, we didn't go and build the big giant building expansion we needed because we didn't need it. That's right. We didn't feel like, well, we, 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 we're going to do it. So let's put some brick and mortar up because we said we would, but it's stupid now. We didn't do that. We said, no, 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 let's only engage in the things that will make the greatest difference here. So we got to build some things that you don't build during a pandemic when your tithe and stuff is nosediving, if that were our story. We, for example, built some bathrooms in the back here where the staff are, and you're like, that doesn't sound super fun. That doesn't sound super fun to you, but do you know how many times before we built those bathrooms, right before the gathering starts, you have to walk from back here through the crowds to the bathroom, bump into nine people that you love and care about, have nine conversations, try to make it back there while Zach is panicking because half his worship team is not ready to be on the stage. And then by the time they come up here, they are full of anxiety because they had to go pee. <laughs> no, like legit, it's not a, it's not a small thing. And so we put some bathrooms back here so you don't have to make that gamut of an insane run because we love you all and we want to chat with you all. And suddenly everything changes about how we experience the health on this stage and that has a giant impact. You see what I'm saying when I say it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it's a giant thing. We got to do several things in this building like that that you might not see but made a giant difference. Our Disney campus uh, was in a space that didn't feel like home, that they couldn't make home. I I remember in 2019, their, their live feed was off of an iPhone on a stand at the Disney campus. And they really needed to take their space and make it home and then put some technology into that space so they'd actually have working sound and a, a nice thing so that they could take the gospel and make it beautiful to those watching. And we were able in the middle of a pandemic to invest resources into redoing their whole space and getting the technology into that space that they needed. So while everybody else is backing on down, trying to say, what can we cut back on? We're handing the Disney campus the best world they'd ever had. It was awesome that we were able to do that because the resources were available because God was faithful to us in calling us to be faithful with our stewarding of our resources. And then we, by his strength, were faithful in that. Not only that, but we also got to do some other big things around here. Remember that part of the vision that we had in this calling in 2019 wasn't just to invest in building some things into spaces to do ministry more effectively. It was also to come alongside you all and equip you all, the saints, me and you, to do the work of the ministry. 
The trouble is when a pandemic hits and everything goes awry and everyone leaves church and doesn't show up and tithes, nose dives and resources are light, you have greater need to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, but you have less staff and resources. Most ministries and staff uh, and, and nonprofits had to actually release staff during the pandemic because they didn't have the resources to keep all the staff they had. You know what we got to do during the pandemic? Hire staff. We got to hire staff, not release staff, hire staff. And wherever we saw spaces that were like, man, we need to get behind this. It's an incredible need or opportunity in our congregation to equip them. We got to hire staff. So one of those staff that we got to bring on board during the pandemic, when we should have been releasing, not hiring, had our story been typical, was Melanie. Melanie came on board because we found during the pandemic that those of you in our congregation that are foster parents or adoptive parents, this pandemic was particularly challenging for you because you were stuck in your homes like the rest of us, but you also had the additional realities of all the navigation of the hurt and traumas that come with that. And in many cases, because unique and special needs are involved, the reality of managing those things were a big deal. We also had families that were engaged in wanting to become foster families or engage in adopting. And now navigating that during the pandemic was a hundred times more complex. So we said, why don't we hire somebody on board who can come alongside our families, develop wraparound care, get people engaged, help them navigate adoption and be available to engage in their hard spaces and homes. And because you all and I were committed to our generosity, we were able to do that. And I want you to hear the story of how Melanie impacted families in our midst during a pandemic when we should have had to release staff. And instead, because of our collective faithfulness, we could actually be robust in bringing staff in and serving you all to do the work of the ministry that then becomes redemptive instead of destructive. Take a look at this. I'm Melanie Stimmel. I came on uh, Mosaic about two years ago, May 2020, as the full-time adoptive and foster coordinator. Uh, basically, someone for our families to turn to, speak to, um, depend on to help them work through their journey in situations that happen. My husband David and I have been fostering for 20 years. We, uh, during the course of 20 years, we adopted a sibling group of six to add to our four biological kids. And um, so when the opportunity for this job to come, came up, I was just super excited, like, wow, I can take all that experience that I've had over the last 20 years and really pour it into some families here that are journeying the exact same journey that I've done. It's so important to have a community, to have people around you that understand this life, what we do in fostering and adopting. The kids most often are the easy part. It's the systems and the supports and the resources and the tips and things that I love to share with my families to really give them that toolkit to go out there and be the best foster or adoptive parent they can be. 
Melanie has opened my eyes to seeing so many more opportunities to serve the foster care system here locally in Orlando than I ever would have thought possible. So through Melanie and, and the work that she's doing at Mosaic, you've been able to see that there's there's so many other ways to do it. There's respite care, there's being a care community that wraps around uh, other foster families, there's mentoring students, there's caring for the kids that have aged out of the system. There's so many different opportunities to serve. We met Melanie, she connected us to our um, adoption agency, and we have now gone through the entire process of getting um, authorized and um, cleared to adopt. So we are now officially approved to adopt and we are waiting for our adoption placement, um, all thanks to the connections that Melanie has been able to provide for us and the support that she's given us along the way. So the care community has really been a wonderful place to explore almost a new way of caring for people. And as we are retired and doing things in a new way, it was kind of fun to learn that cooking a meal could be such a joy. So we delivered a meal the other day. The mom opened the door and had the most beautiful smile. And it brought us such great joy to see the impact and influence of taking a meal to a family. We needed a babysitter to come out while uh, Ben and I had a date night. We just get out of the house for a little while. And she did a great job of uh, providing us. It's just important to have the time for ourselves too. And I think Melanie did a good job of allowing us to have that time for ourselves. I am 10 months into a journey with a little girl and Melanie has made all the difference in our journey. Uh, even when the journey seemed impossible and dark, she stepped in and she listened and she came together with a team of people to support Lily and I through very difficult times. Um, you know, she would just say, Brooke, you know, what do you need? Um, and just listen and say, I'm here for you. I see you, I hear you, I've been there. Um, and that's just really what got me through the day. Melody has been a coach to me. Uh, when I'm now our daughters or teenagers, uh, there are a number of times where I have uh, uh, called uh, uh, Melanie just to get her insight, her encouragement, and her wisdom. And it's just been a true blessing for us. I could not be happier to come and share everything, all my knowledge with other families, help them work through their, their crazy situation, and um, just really give them the ability to enjoy parenting these kids and uh, to heal as a family. That's a pretty amazing thing, quite honestly. And it would be amazing if all of that happened in a typical year. But to realize that all of that unfolded during a pandemic two years and a political upheaval two years and an insane two years where we would have had every reason to button up the hatches 
is an actually additionally extraordinary thing, isn't it? And the fact of the matter is that every one of those families that spoke, those that now are in care communities using what God has given them to serve the kingdom of God, those that are, have, are, are now adoptive, certified parents, those that needed coaching, those that needed support and babysitting, you need to reverse every one of those stories if we didn't have the resources to hire Melanie. You understand what I'm saying? Like it, it changes everything. And so your collective commitment to generosity is a direct participant in the realities of what unfolded on that screen. You got to play a part in that if you are a part of giving here, which is a huge deal. And it's one thing to say that we got to expand some things in our story here with some building stuff. And it's one thing to say that we got to really engage in equipping the saints in unique ways by hiring some staff and doing some things we otherwise couldn't have. But one of our other hopes was that over these last two years, we would be able to expand into our local and global partnerships to be more redemptive than we had already been in affecting things locally and globally. So over these last two years, we have had the incredible privilege in regularity of engaging with our local and global partners and staying the course with them in absolute consistency and not needing to diminish our giving at all to any of our local or global partnerships. But it's better than that. We actually got to increase our giving to many of our partners during the pandemic because many others couldn't. And so they had to pull their giving and so our partners were struggling. And remember when we say partners, you, you don't forget we have 50, over 50 global partners and a boatload of local ones. You with me? So we're not talking about three groups. We were able to move a tremendous amount of resources to help those partners remain effective in the opportunities God had given them. We also, if you remember, yeah, that's right. I mean, seriously, like there's a little part of me that's like, are you guys hearing all this? Because it's a really big deal what God's done. And it's a really big deal that we got to be part of it. We shouldn't have been part of it. He should have done it without us, but he let us do it with him. It's crazy. So listen to this. So part of our big idea as we walked into the generosity initiative was that we would add to our already giving another percentage. So as many of you know, about 15% of our total income goes out the door to church planting and local and global missions and all sorts of things externally. And we wanted to add to that. So we created an opportunity fund. We said, we're going to take 5% of our total income for the year, for these two years. And we're going to have that available so that when opportunities come our way to be missional, we don't have to say, uh, it's not in this year's budget. Then COVID hit. So we're like, oh, that's over. But instead, because of our collective faithfulness to that which God called us to in 2019, the Opportunity Fund was robust and available. So we got on a regular basis throughout 2020 and 2021 to say yes to numerous opportunities and ministries to be able to expand the kingdom of God while the world was falling apart. Just to name a few, this is not exhaustive. You remember when we paid off all that medical debt for people in our community? That was actually right at the beginning of the pandemic. We didn't even know it was going to happen. Can you imagine if all those people had to hold their medical debt through the pandemic and instead, right before it hit, that all went away for them? 
We got to do that because of our opportunity fund and generosity. Grace Alive was a church. You guys are welcome to do that because this is God's faithfulness to us, is it not? We don't deserve to participate in this kind of stuff, but he's been faithful to us. Grace Alive is a church in our community. They were working on a building project. We got to invest in their building project during the pandemic so that they could be a faithful church in our community that is doing amazing work in our community. The Church in Hard Places is an initiative that Acts 29 is doing to plant churches in hard places where those churches can't fund themselves because they're hard places. And we got to get behind that initiative and help fund church plants in hard places during the pandemic, right? We got to train missionaries up by funding their training during the pandemic. Sully and Lauren are an example of that. We got to step into some of our mercy partners like Operation Rescue in Ethiopia, where during a pandemic and a civil war, they needed additional funds to literally take care of feeding the children we sponsor. And we could just say yes, yes, and yes, and move the funds that needed to be moved because we had them available because we collectively remained faithful to God's faithful call over us to invite us into this incredible work to do it alongside him. We got to engage in local foster and adoption stories uh, because again, during the pandemic, ministries locally were struggling and we got to come alongside them. We got to invest in YWAM and their training center to train missionaries up and send them out into a world that now more than ever needs people to carry the gospel to where they are. And that's just a few of the things we got to do. Two of the ministries that we got to invest in through our opportunity fund just turned out to be stories that are just continuing to have tremendous impact now. One of them local, one of them global. I would love for you to hear these two stories because frankly, I can't tell them as well as they can tell them themselves. These two stories represent one teeny tiny sliver of what our collective generosity got to affect in almost all of our partners as we were able to come alongside them with our opportunity fund and do things like this for them. So listen now to a story locally and to a story globally that unfolded because we as a church were called by a faithful God into a great work and he allowed us the strength to remain faithful in that great work. And so now we get to be part of this. Take a listen to this. Okay, my name is Susan Sibanda. I'm from Zimbabwe. I came here to work as a cultural representative to represent my country, to talk about our culture, the way how we live, and just to lighten people up about Africa. My program was about to end, really. Like, the, the program ended early in March because of, current, of, of the virus. So, but my program was ending in May. So, like, my, my job was cut off early because of the virus. Like with the quarantine, like we were expected to go back home, but then again, our countries, they immediately locked down the, the, the borders. Like no international flight was allowed to come in again. And on our side, like we were frustrated that we didn't have much, I mean, savings to survive because we could only buy our food ourselves and they also we also expected to pay the rent at the same time you're no longer earning money so it became so difficult orlando welcome happened 
like Tanik and Joel and the other uh, the group of people that were helping us to feed us from April until this present moment time. So that helped us a lot because we didn't have to spend our savings to buy food. That money that we had, we also had to support back our family by sending money back home. So that really helped a lot to cover the gap because it was going to be a very painful journey. Like for myself, I don't know about others, I didn't really have that much savings for all these six months. I don't think that I could have survived by just buying food and not earning any some sort of income. What I think that I learned because of all these provisions that were provided to us, considering that they don't know, they, they knew nothing about us. They were not our relatives, we were just foreigners in this, in this land. And I just learned that there is love everywhere. There are people with good heart. There are people who are willing to help where they can. So I've just learned that you can do something good for someone even if you don't know them. So what I've experienced that people, there are people out there who have got love towards other people, who have got good hearts, who are willing to help. Not that because they've got plenty, but they see the need to help. Because they saw our situation, they felt the need to help. But God taught me to have patience, to only trust in Him, to only believe in Him for anything that you could ever ask for. And also including to use you guys to help us. I just thank God that I learned that I have to be patient in the midst of all storms and trust only God. And God will make a way where it seems to be no way. And He made a way for me. We love Susan. She is actually here with us today. <laughs> Susan had the wonderful opportunity of, of transitioning to Valencia College to pursue a degree in nursing. And so we are excited for what God is doing in her life. Well, I'm Joel, I'm with Agape Source. And we focus on ministering to unreached people groups, both locally and globally. That is, those who have very little access to the gospel in their home countries. And that is normally because of uh, political or cultural restrictions. Many of the unreached that we focus on are part of the Disney cultural internship uh, programs, as well as immigrants living here in Orlando. God has allowed us to have a global impact through our strategy of welcoming the stranger into our home. We share the good news of the gospel with them, and then we mentor them through Bible studies, as well as um, just ongoing one-to-one -one discipleships. But when COVID hit, 80 international cast members like Susan from 19 different countries were stranded here in America for months, waiting for flights to open up to get back home. And Agape Source was in a unique position to be able to immediately help them. Each week, our staff and volunteers prepared care packages for them. And these care packages were culturally appropriate. So 
it, it included food, it included supplies, basic hygiene supplies that they would need. And so if you were from Morocco, you received a care package that had halal meats and dates because they were going through Ramadan. And if you were from South Africa, you received white cornmeal and many other ingredients that they were familiar with back at home. And this helped to, to, to minister to them, to, especially for their emotional and spiritual needs. But by the end of April, we were running out of money. But thanks to you, Mosaic, you saw the need and you stepped in. God, combi God combined your resources with many others and allowed us to continue to meet the needs of these precious cast members. We believe that God will use experiences like this, that when these cast members go back home, they will never forget what God has done in their life as we were able to minister to them, to pray for them, to encourage them while they were here. We wanna thank you, all of you, our Mosaic family, for partnering with Agape Source in this remarkable way. You've actually stood with us for close to 10 years as, as, as financial partners and encouragers. And together, we are making a difference, not just now, but for eternity. Thank you. Hello, Mosaic. Good morning. I guess it's already afternoon by now. My name is Terry. I'm with Hope Africa Collective, and I am so absolutely grateful that this church is not only making a difference locally, but globally. Our ministry is on the other side of the world in South Africa, and we have the amazing, wonderful privilege of serving an impoverished community. Um, of this community I have grown to deeply, deeply love. Um, and there are so many things that God is doing there. Our aim is to focus on one primary thing, and that is to transform communities for Jesus Christ. We go about doing that in two ways. One is through our, our life skills and our development programs. And the second is through our one-year Bible college. Um, it is so needed in this community to educate and equip pastors and leaders. And so our one-year Bible college is tremendous in doing that. Over the last eight years, Mosaic has been investing in, in Hope Africa. Uh, but the last two years have been so critical. With this pandemic that we've all been experiencing, it got a little tight and rough over in South Africa. And I'm grateful to say that this church continued to faithfully invest and pour in to Hope Africa. And they did that primarily in three ways. One is by sponsoring 24 pastors and leaders to go through the one-year Bible college. We, we did not have to stop this college, but we were able to continue. And this church sponsored 24 pastors and leaders to go through. You know, in, in that area, there, there's not an opportunity for them to go to a seminary or to a Bible college or to even online do a, a, a school online. In that community, we are their answer. Hope Africa providing that Bible college for them. It's so needed to become a biblically healthy church so that families are being raised up properly, biblically, marriages are being restored, and that begins to cause a ripple effect into these communities. And so 
by sponsoring 24 pastors and leaders, that is having an indirect impact of 3,600 people. The average size church there is 150 people. And so by investing in these 24 pastors and leaders, it is impacting 3,600 members of these churches, which is absolutely amazing. We believe that's the way you transform communities is by having biblically healthy churches in combination with our trade programs that we're doing and our life development programs. The second way that Mosaic was able to invest was through a, a biblical library that we've been praying about for years. And uh, we were able to bring that together during this time. A biblical library providing uh, resources and Bibles and uh, study tools for these pastors and leaders, not only them, but for all the hundreds of churches that are in this area. There's over a million plus people living in this area. And so there are hundreds of churches. Now they have an opportunity to come to our location and be able to enrich themselves through biblical study materials in this, in this library. We're the first and only spiritual biblical library in that area. So it's, it's quite, uh, quite amazing. And the third thing was our, was you guys invested in 128 men and women to go through our life development, trade skills and skills type program. Um, 128 is impacting 640. And so the way we uh, calculate that is, is of looking at just the family unit, the immediate family. So 128 of men and women coming through, they're impacting family members of 640. We have approximately 50% who come through this program who become born again. They become followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, and get planted in these churches. And so it's an amazing, um, uh, just an amazing thing what God's doing. Uh, we, years ago, we used to take a picture of someone when they would start to come through the program. We take a picture of them. And this program lasts two months. It's Monday to Friday, lasts for two months. And at the end of two months, we take another picture of the person just from the, the shoulders up, you would not believe the difference. You would, you would think it was a different person. The amount of change just on their face, their countenance on their face, literally had been, they'd been transformed from the inside out of what Jesus does in, the, in someone's life. And uh, so we always were amazed at just looking at these pictures. One, one story, I'll tell you from the Bible College, um, uh, pastor Matawani, and there there are many, many stories I could tell you uh, of pastors and leaders that have come through. Um, pastor Matawani came through the Bible College for the one-year program. Uh, an extra blessing for him was that he met his now wife, who was also going through that Bible College as one of the church leaders. And um, and their church has been transformed by the uh, enriching and Bible knowledge that they've gained. Uh, his wife was so impacted that she came back through one of our other programs and went through our salon training program. No, I do not teach uh, hair, as you can tell. Uh, uh, but she came through and it, you trained in, in salon skills as well as business skills. And so she launched not one salon, but two salons. The second one, she hired people to come to be able to help them uh, get through these times. And so uh, if you happen to be at Oxum Coffee during November, uh, they featured Valiswa. 
uh, the pastor's wife on the front of one of the Giving Blend uh, coffees that you may have seen there. But uh, it's been amazing what what God's been doing. I'm so grateful to to each of this to each of you and to this church and the faithfulness of Mosaic to impact not only locally but globally. I want to end with just one verse that has really stood out to us and been a key kind of a key verse for us. It's out of Psalms 82. It says to rescue the needy, uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed. To rescue the needy. Thank you so much for being on our rescue team all the way over in South Africa. I'm super grateful. God bless you. So uh, we are going through two years of insanity, a crazy pandemic, and all the rough stuff that came with us here. And while that's happening, all this is happening because we are invited to be a part of that and God is faithful to us. And it hasn't ended. Even now, as we speak, our elder team have the next round of opportunities that have come our way that are wanting funding so they can engage in the incredible opportunities that sit before us to continue to do ministry. And we have the resources by our continued generosity to keep saying, let's take a look. I think we can say yes to many of these. We have the resources to be able to look at the realities within here and say, what are some opportunities perhaps that could enhance the experience of our children or adults here to be better equipped then to enjoy the gospel, enjoy God and share the gospel and carry the kingdom of God into their spaces. So uh, back here, we have that little area that looks like a, a, a place where big trucks pulled into with a big giant door. And we're like, what do we do with that? And there was this idea that sometime we might fill that out with a concrete pad and create an outdoor playground and space for our children during the spring and summer to enjoy the outdoors, even in our concrete block here. Um, and so now we get to look at that and say, that sounds like a great idea. And we get to pull the trigger on that and start investing in that. In a time where most are coming out of the two years, they're just now loosening the hatches up and coming out to assess how their little boat did. And they have to start going, we don't have much and we can't really go anywhere. We just got to start quietly repairing the boat. We are not in that space. We're in a space where we're standing on top of the boat. We are soaked from head to toe because we just rode into a crazy storm and we stayed on the top, kept the sails out and we rolled. You know, there's that scene. If you guys, you guys remember the Truman Show? Any of you guys remember the Truman Show? You're like, oh yeah. If you, if you think hard back toward the end of the Truman Show, he's trying to like get out of where he's stuck and he gets on the ocean in that little boat and the, the, the people in the Truman Show throw the greatest storm at him. And his attitude in that storm is just like, he's on that boat, he's gonna die, he doesn't care. And he's just charging into the storm. And I feel like that's what we got to do in 2021 and 2020. That instead of saying, let's hide and let's stop and let's wait out the storm, we charged the gates of hell. We really did. And do you know why we got to do that? Because the God we serve was faithful enough to us to invite us into a, a tangible and, and concrete prayerful experience of stewarding in 2019 that we had to go through and then we sat and then we stuck to because he was faithful to us. There's this story in um, First Chronicles chapter 29. 
And uh, it's a story of David, King David, and he's coming to the end of his ministry time, uh, his time as king, and Solomon, his son, is rising up as the next king. And David really wanted to build the temple because the temple during that time in history represented God's presence on the planet. What is the temple now? Just anybody curious? That's right, it's Mosaic Church, this building. That is the temple. No! And you're, you're like, is he serious? No! No! God doesn't reside in buildings anymore, does he? Where does he reside? In us. We are the temple. So just like we now carry the presence of God into the world, back then God resided in the Holy of Holies in the temple. He was ever-present everywhere, but that was the tangible space in which you were like, there's God. That shows that God is with us. So David really wanted to like do that, but God said, Solomon's going to build it. So you know what David did? At the end of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, he took all of his resources and he brought it to the people. And he said, I'm giving all my stuff to, to my son and to you all to build this temple. So I, I would invite any of you that would like to participate to do the same. And they did. And this is what, this is what the end of 1 Chronicles said. Listen to this. It's just so cool. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. That's 2 Chronicles, Reno. You got to go to first. Here we go. Listen to this. At the end of that, that, that section, it says, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly with a whole heart and they offered freely to the Lord. David, the king rejoiced greatly also. Isn't it an incredible thing to come out of a two-year pandemic when all that stuff happened? And instead of us sitting here and saying, glad you survived, glad we made it. We couldn't do much, but hey, we got here, didn't we? we get to say, how much do we have to rejoice? Because God allowed us in our willingness to give freely to be participants in an extraordinary story. In fact, many extraordinary stories, charging the gates of hell and redeeming the unredeemed spaces. You know, I've always said here, I think the way that God works often with everything he tells us to do faithfully is he's like the parent with the $5 bill when the tithe basket is coming. You remember those when they came in church? And they, I know you guys, it's hard for you to remember because but there was that. And then the, the parent would give the child like a dollar or $5 and then the child would put the money in the basket and then the parent would go, well done. And you all sort of like, the, the child didn't really give it. The parent did. Well, is that true or did the child? Well, it's kind of both, isn't it? Isn't that how God works with us? He gives us resources that we don't deserve. And then he says, how much of those would you like to give and invest in awesome stories? And then we go, oh, I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe this much. And he's like, that's good. Okay. And then we put it in because he's faithful to us. And then he's faithful to us on the other end as well by allowing us to participate. Our faithfulness is always a demonstration of God's faithfulness to us, isn't it? So today, you know what we get to celebrate? We get to celebrate God's faithfulness to us in helping us be faithful so we can enjoy being participants in these crazy stories so that we could worship him and his faithfulness again. In Malachi, um, the last prophet that was talking at the end of the Old Testament, there was a little story where he's telling the people that they basically robbed God um, because they didn't give their tithes. And so people often use that passage to kind of say, don't rob, rob God, which is correct. We don't really want to do that. That's not super helpful. But the part of the passage that absolutely blows my mind 
is what Malachi says after that. He's basically saying to the people, man, you haven't been faithful with your resources. So like you're not part of anything. And, 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 and God is kind of going, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm doing my thing, but you're not part of it. And then he says this, but, but if you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there will then be food in my house, says the Lord, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See, what we get to do today collectively is not say, hold on, God, I gave 10 bucks, where's my 60? No, 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 because that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is, if you all come together and intentionally steward what I've given you and bring it to my table, my house, so that my house is full, then I will meet the needs of so many through you and you will be participants in that. Did God prove himself faithful through the things we got to do these last two years when we should have been hiding inside our little boat? Yes, he did. And he did that by making us faithful. And isn't that faithful on his part? So I stand here and rejoice today that God called me and called you, that we made commitments, that he empowered us to remain faithful so that he could be faithful in letting us be part of this. Welcome to 2020 and 2021. That is quite a year. So yeah, it was hard. And yes, it was crazy. And yes, God did crazy cool stuff in the middle of it all too that we got to be part of. So I build an altar here to remember that even in the greatest storms and the hardest spaces, God calls us to faithfulness, empowers us to faithfulness, and then when we're faithful, shows his faithfulness to us by allowing us to be part of things we had no business being a part of. 80 people stuck here, internationals, were loved and cared for every week with food and resources and love because we were called by God to be faithful. Pastors were trained in South Africa. People were equipped all around the world. Missionaries were sent. Places were established. Things were done. Needs were met because God's house here was full. And he, when he called us, could call us and trust us to step in and do what needed to be done. That is awesome. Thank you so much for being part of that. If you are someone that gave here over the last two years, this is as much your story as it is mine. It is our story as much as it is his. And ultimately, it's just his story, isn't it? And that's why this initiative, Every Moment, was an initiative that said, we're going to do it in how many moments? every moment. And we're going to do it by who? Jesus. Through who? Jesus. And for who? Jesus. And here we stand at the end of that. And guess what we get to say? He did it. We did it because he did it. We did it by him. We did it through him. And we did it for him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the extraordinary opportunity we have, not just to be recipients from you of your goodness, but to be participants with you in your goodness to others. And God, to look back now on these last two years and recognize 
that while we were struggling and while we were in the middle of crazy stuff and while we were uncertain and while we were wrestling with each other and while we were in the midst of a storm and the storm was as scary as it felt, you were also deeply at work in us and through us and for us for your glory so that we could be participants in extraordinary things as a church. God, I thank you for the people of this church. I can't begin to imagine standing here what the next two years will look like if these last two years in a storm like that demonstrated the faithful commitment of the people in this place to continue to trust you both with their resources and their talents and time. God, as we enter the next two years, you do with us whatever you want. You take our stuff and you do with it whatever you want. Because frankly, God, if we can be part of another round of awesome transformation and redemption like we just were in two years where maybe the storms won't be quite as dramatic, we are excited. So God, use us as you see fit. Thanks for your faithfulness toward us in making us faithful toward you so that we could be participants with you in this incredible redemption we just got to catch a glimpse of. We love you, Jesus. We give you all of our lives, every moment, every space, every resource, and we trust you with it in Jesus' name. Amen.